You're listening to an audio sermon from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Well, good to be here with you this morning. How many is excited to be in God's house? Yes. Wow. Man, it's so good to be back in South Africa. This is my third time now in South Africa. So I feel like I'm home again, right? Amen. Uh, you know, Africa, when you come into it, um, it's a different feeling. I, I, don't, I can't explain it from any other country. And uh, I just feel loved every time I come here. And just the people are so beautiful and uh, so grateful for uh, just your kindness. How many knows you have some of the best pastors in the world right here? Don't you love them? Come on, give them a hand. Tell them how much you love them this morning. And then uh, how about that worship team? Didn't they do a great job this morning? Come on, give your worship team a big hand. They did an amazing, amazing job. Well, we, we send greetings uh, from Lakewood Church in Houston, right? They're sleeping right now, but they're about to have service. Uh, and thank God I'm not sleeping right now. I just got in yesterday. But, uh, uh, you know, Pastor Joel and Victoria just want to send their greetings, and we're so grateful that your pastors and your church uh, was so, just had such a heart to reach out to families with special needs. And, and this is this is very unique because I think, you know, in different cultures, in different parts of the world, you know, we see that families with special needs many times are looked down upon or they're considered a curse upon the family. And, and, and I know many times that's taught, but how many knows that anything that comes out of the hands of God, that's beautiful and it's real. And, and, and God has a plan and purpose for every person. And what I love here at Household of Christ is that you believe that. That there's no one left out, that everyone's included, and everyone has a plan and purpose. Amen? Well, we're excited to be here, and, and uh, I believe today, and not because I'm, I'm ministering, I believe today may be unlike any other day that you've come to church. I believe today is going to be transformational for some people. And I believe today that, that something's going to change, something is going to shift in your life. And some of you have been carrying things for a long time. Uh, we know in Africa and we know where I come from in California about droughts, don't we? And you can face droughts and they can go for a long time and we know that when you face a drought, you know, you sometimes forget what rain tastes like, don't you? And uh, uh, we've all faced droughts in, in our communities, in our areas, but there are also droughts that we face in our lives. But I really believe today what I'm going to talk about is we're not going to just see people walk through a drought. We're going to see people come out of the drought and into the abundance of rain. Amen? That God doesn't want you to stay where you're at that he's getting you ready for something bigger. And if you want to turn your Bibles right now with me, a Psalm, chapter 84, verses 5 through 7. I want to speak to you on the title of Coming Out of the Drought. And uh, I want to introduce my family real quick, if we can put them up uh, before our scripture. Uh, this is my beautiful family um, in Houston, Texas. Has anybody ever been to Texas? All right, a few people have been to Texas. Well, you know, you hear a lot of things about Texas, don't you? You know, you hear that everything is bigger in Texas. That is absolutely true. <laughs> uh, I think when people come from Africa, and you've got to realize in our church, 
uh, at Lakewood Church, we have a lot of Africans in our church. It's really cool. People from South Africa, uh, all, many nations all throughout Africa. And uh, uh, it's, it's incredible. And I, I watch people when they come over from a different country, when they bring out a plate of food in Texas, it's usually double the size of what they're used to. And they don't realize that we take what are called doggy bags home, right? You can't eat it all at the sitting. And so you take it home a little bit later. And uh, you hear about cowboys, you know. Uh, it's funny, in the city, there's not as many cowboys. But there are cowboys, and we have the largest rodeo in the world that happens in Texas. And it's really cool. You get to get your cowboy hats on, and you get to get your boots on, and you, the whole thing. If you think about cowboy, that's what it's like. And it's a huge rodeo with horses and, and, and all kinds of stuff. And they bring a wagon train in from Austin, Texas, which is about 100 miles, and they ride it all the way into Houston. So pretty cool. But all, we, we don't have cowboys walking around Houston all the time. It's a little bit different, right? But you have this idea of, of, of what it's like and then what it's actually like. And, uh, you know, with, my, with Texas, you hear about everybody carries guns, right? That is absolutely true. You know, that's a little scary, isn't it, right? In California, it's not like that. But in Texas, you know, they, they carry guns and everything. I do not know why, but they carry guns. <laughs> and so there's a lot of urban myths and stuff that are true. And then there are some things that, that aren't true. But one thing that I know is true, and that's that God is real and he's alive in our lives. Amen? And, you know, when you go through different things in your life, I, I'm so thankful for my family because I'm able to walk with them. I want to show, show my family one more time uh, if we could put them up. But uh, this is my son, Corey. And Corey, uh, he is 28 years old, and he's a children's pastor at Lakewood Church. And he's single ladies, so, you know, any ladies uh, that... We'll take applications here today uh, if you're interested. He loves God, good guy, you know. Uh, and then there's my daughter, Courtney. Uh, Courtney is uh, 26 years old, and I was telling everybody yesterday she is an actress in Los Angeles. And so uh, she just got through doing Hamlet, Shakespeare's Hamlet, in Los Angeles, a, a play. And then uh, I was telling them yesterday, my, my son, he's a, you know, Marvel, you know, Spider-Man, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's, he's a Marvel nerd, right? And so my daughter, uh, she's up for a part in uh, Marvel's Runaways. It's, called, it's a show on Netflix called Runaways. And so she's up for this part. And my son, if she gets that part, he'll think she's the greatest thing alive, you know, uh, after that. So that's my daughter. And then, then you've got uh, my son, Connor. Connor is 16 years old. And uh, God just using Connor, he was the inspiration for Champions Club. And so God's using him all over the world. And, and then that's my wife, uh, Sam. And Samantha will be married 30 years in January. Amen. And uh, you know now she's a saint to be married to me for 30 years, right? And I tell people all the time that's by far the longest I've ever went out with a girl. So that's a long time, amen. Uh, but, you know, I remember when we start out, we know this to be true, we had a vision for our life. As a matter of fact, you know, we had kids when we were younger. And we had a boy and a girl, and we thought we were done having kids. 
And we had this idea, these dreams, and all these different types of things of what we thought life would be like. But how many knows this? Sometimes in life, things don't always go as planned, do they? And you thought you walked through one door, and it seemed like life took a wrong turn. It changed on you. And maybe some of you in this room, you found yourself in the desert. Maybe it was a drought of effort proportion where, where you were struggling so much. Maybe you're in the middle of that drought right now, and you kind of feel like there's adversity on every side. I love this scripture right here in Psalm chapter 84, verses 5 through 7. And I want to break this down just a little bit for you this morning. But it says this, blessed is a man whose strength is in you. You know, that's so important for us to understand when we're going through a drought. When we're going through a dry season in our life, that blessed is a man, it's not in our strength, but the only way we're going to come out of that drought is it's in his strength, right? Because too many times, those droughts can be difficult. Those droughts can be hard. But here's one thing that God wants to remind you if you're going through a drought today, is that it's this, you are not in the desert to die, you are in the desert so God can show you a new way to live, Amen. He's getting you prepared for something bigger. You don't realize it right now, but he's getting you prepared for something bigger. And if you wouldn't have gone through this, you couldn't handle what God was about to give you. And he takes you through these times to get you prepared. I love how the scripture continues on right here. And it says, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Here's the thing with droughts. Some droughts are short. Some can be longer. But here's the key to any drought Anytime you're going through a difficult season, here's the key. Don't give up. Come on, somebody. Don't give up. You see, you only have grace for today. And sometimes when we're in a drought, we're worrying about tomorrow. And we're worrying about two weeks from now. We're worrying about two years from now. But here's the truth of the matter in it. You only have grace for a day. God's not wanting you to worry about two weeks or two years from now. When the children of Israel, when they were in the desert, when they were in uh, 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 that drought in their lives, when they could have reached the promised land, you know, God didn't give them manna for two weeks. He didn't give them manna for two days. He gave them manna for that day. You know why? Because when you're going through difficult times, when you're going through challenging times, God is trying to draw you closer to him. He's trying to give you his strength. And what happens many times is that we try to work through these droughts and we try to fight the fights that God was meant to fight. So we fight with worry, don't we? We fight many times with anxiety. We fight with how are we going to get through this? And God's saying, no, I want you to depend upon me. I want you to lean into me. Have you ever leaned into something before, right? It's, it's like the, the lady with an issue of blood. She began to lean in to touch Jesus' garment because she knew if she leaned in, and it wasn't a lot. It wasn't like she had to fight, but many times you, we just have to lean in. And when we lean in, what happens is God meets us right where we're at. He just wants us to know that don't give up. If you're going through something right now, you may feel in your spirit, man, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I, I, I can't press on. This is too much. This is too heavy. And God's saying this, don't give up. I'll give you the grace you need for today if you'll lean into me. Come on, somebody. How many believes that this morning? The scripture goes on to write right here to say, 
as they passed through the Valley of Baca. Now, the Valley of Baca, this scripture speaks of, it was actually part of the desert country. And it was filled with thorns and wild animals and vipers and all sorts of danger. It was nearly impossible to travel through this valley without suffering extreme hardship and, and, and really bad times. Yet this valley, and I want you to get this right here, was the only passageway into the high hills where Israel's city of refuge was located. And some scholars would state this, that the Valley of Baca was also representative of the valley that led to the city of Jerusalem where the temple of God was found. Now here's the key of that. When we're, you're going through a drought, we can either do three things because many times we can't see the high city of refuge. We can't see where, where God's taking us. So what the enemy wants to do many times is he wants to load us down, right? And he loads us down with our problems and he loads us down with worries and he tells us you have no hope and he tells us you're not going to make it and he tells you to give up. And so it's like a garbage collector. Have you ever seen a garbage collector? And they fill the garbage up and then they want you to carry that garbage and the enemy doesn't want you to release that and throw it away. He wants to load you down. So pretty soon what happens is, is that you can do one of three things when you start to fill those things, fill that garbage on you that the enemy's trying to tell you in your mind. You can either look down and, and when it's heavy and everything you look down, but the only problem with looking down is you can't see what's in front of you, can you? You can look straight ahead and that's even better because at least you're looking straight ahead, but the only problem there is that you can only see so far. But here's the key. When you're going through a drought, if you'll look up, Come on, somebody, if you'll look up, that's where your redemption draws nigh. You see, God is like a chess master. If you've ever seen a chess master, a chess master knows how the game's going to end three or four or five moves in the game. And let me tell you something, God knows how your story ends, and it doesn't end in defeat, it ends in victory, amen? God's got a great plan for your life, and he's getting you ready for something big, but you gotta look up, you gotta keep on going, you gotta trust in him. See, I always say it like this, you gotta let go of the past, you gotta trust for God for a day, and you've got to believe him for your future. If you'll begin to do that, God will begin to shift things in your life. He'll take that faith. I told the crowd yesterday, God, he's not moved by our circumstances. He has compassion for our circumstances. He collects our tears because they're so precious to him, but he's not moved by our circumstances. He's moved by our faith. And when we'll keep on believing, when we'll give thanks even in the desert, God can work in that situation. He'll not only bring you out, he'll take you higher than you've ever been before. Come on, church, if you believe it today, say amen, amen. I love this right here, it continues. I love breaking down this scripture right here, and it, it says right here, it says, and they make it a spring, and the rain also covers it with pools. See, here's the thing. When you're going through a drought, God is wanting to build you in that drought. And he's wanting to build you because he's wanting to build reservoirs in your life, right? You ever see a reservoir? You know, it's, it's like when you're walking someplace and all of a sudden you see a, a, a little lake or a pond and, and you find this reservoir there. 
it's, it's where somebody has built something long ago for somebody that's walking on a journey. And it's the same thing that's true in your life. You see, when it talks about they make it a spring and the rain also covers it with pools, see, what God's doing is you're walking through this and, and, and you're building things in your life and you're keeping on going. You're building reservoirs. And see, what these reservoirs are for, they're not for the drought you're going through now. They're for a future drought that you may go through. See, you won't look at it the same way because here's what it says in verse 7, and they go from strength, right, to strength. Oh, come on. I love that. And they go from strength to strength. What does that mean, Craig? Here's what it means. Once you've conquered your desert, you won't respond to the next desert the same way. Come on, somebody. You move from a survivor to an overcomer. Your test becomes your testimony. You live in the vision and not in the circumstance. See, some of you are facing struggles right now. You've forgotten what rain tastes like. And some of you have been in droughts in your relationships. Maybe you're facing a sickness today. Maybe it's the death of a loved one that just passed away and you're walking through that. Maybe your children are struggling or you're facing financial issues, loss of a job. You know, Pastor was telling me that, that I think 30% in South South Africa don't have jobs. And, you know, that is very challenging. They're, they're, they're facing big struggles right now. Maybe you're facing that. Maybe you've been faced with overwhelming obstacles for months and maybe even years. You see, I've been there. I know what droughts feel like. I've been in those places. See, I'll never forget, you know, when I was sharing about my family. You see, we had a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. A boy and a girl, we were done having children. As a matter of fact, me and my wife, you know, in, in our vision, our plan, we, we talked about that we're going to have children early so later on, you know, we can go and minister and, and, and do things together. And, and we kind of had it all planned out. But how many knows God has other plans, doesn't he? <laughs> and little did we know that when, we, when, when my children were 10 and 12, and of course, I went and got the operation to stop having kids, right, as a dad and everything. And I got that operation on Thursday. And then the following Saturday, my wife came in crying and said, you won't believe this, but I'm pregnant. And then I started crying, and it got worse from there, right? And then after we got through the shock of, of finding out that we we're going to be, of course, we were very excited, you know, and and, you know, we were so excited to have Connor and, and my, my two older ones. They were just so excited to be able to, to grow them and, 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 and hang out with them and, and play with them. And, and uh, Connor was really like our other two kids. Uh, when he was a year and a half, between a year and a half and two years of age, uh, we, we called him kind of the all-American boy, right? And, and, and he, would, he would have playmates come over and they'd play and, and, and he would interact with them and, and, and have a good time. He, he, he would give us a hug and a kiss. He, he showed a lot of emotion and, and everything. And then, then he, he had a lot of language. Even at a young age, he would say, I love you, mommy and daddy. And, and he would say all these different words. But all of a sudden, when he was about two years of, old, years of age, and this is about six months after we came to Lakewood Church in Houston, we had moved from California to Houston, all of a sudden, all that shifted. And where my son, at one time, would play with other friends and everything, uh, now he would sit by himself and stare off at the wall and play by himself. 
where he would give me and my wife and, and their brother and sister a hug and a kiss and show so much emotion and, and affection. And that's what I love about African people. You hug, you know. You, you show so, so much. I'm a hugger. I'm not, I'm not a handshaker. I'm a hugger, right? And, and you, you're just so loving. And, and that was Connor. He showed so much emotion and, 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 and hugged us and kissed us. And, and then where he would say, I love you, Mommy and Daddy, and he'd say so many words, all of a sudden that just shifted. As a matter of fact, he, he wouldn't even look us in the eye. He would look away, and, and he showed no emotion. Where at one time he'd say, I love you. Now he stopped talking altogether. And I remember during that time what it felt like. It felt like for a dad, it felt like a car wreck, a bad car wreck. Where one day your child's one way, and another day your child's another way. And we didn't realize at that time, but we were about to go through a drought of epic proportions. It was going to be the biggest drought of our lives. And we didn't know what that would look like. And what the enemy wants to do when he, you face a big challenge like this is he wants to bury you in it. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want you to see out of it. He wants to bury you in that issue. He wants to, and he will use other people to do that. <laughs> I'm telling you. He will use other people to tell you what your child's going to be. He'll use other people to tell you that you're not enough, that, that you can't make it through, that, that you should give up, that this is more, it's like a, it's like a Job situation, right? Where, where you're hoping all your friends are cheering you on, and instead they're telling you, why don't you just give up and die? And we all face that at different times, at different levels. I'll never forget, you know, when I got the diagnosis, my wife called me in the car, and I'll never forget, you know, her calling me in the car, and and, and and she said, you know, Texas Children's Hospital just called and they said that Connor has autism. And he's on the middle of the spectrum. And we had never experienced that in our family. And we weren't even sure what that meant and everything. And, and I remember when I was sitting in the car, I remember just the enemy right there. When you get that diagnosis, how many has been there before? And you get that diagnosis and the enemy comes in like a flood, doesn't he? And he comes in and he says, he says stuff like, your child your child will, will, will be less than every other child. Your child won't do anything great in life. Your child will, will be worthless. Your, your, chi your child, he'll never do what your other kids are doing. And he, the enemy was just coming at me one after another, one, one statement after another. I, I remember I could hear those voices. But then all of a sudden, in the middle of that, and this is, this is what it's like to be in the desert when you build a reservoir and, and when you go from strength to strength, I begin to remember what God said about my son. And see, God said that my son is not a victim, he's a victor. You see, God said about my son, he's not the tail, he's the head. He's not beneath, but he's above. You see, the world and human nature, it looks at something that's different and says, well, that must be less than. You, you look down upon that. And we understand that. That's human nature. That, that, that's the flesh speaking right there. Anything that the flesh sees that's deficient, then they, you many times look at it as not good enough. That's not how God looks at it. Because he doesn't create anything that's not good enough. He creates things so that his power might be revealed through them. 
And he looks at those things and he says, they're not deficient. This is how I'm going to use them. They're not less than. They're just, they, they just have these challenges because I'm going to reveal my power through them. You say, how can that be true, Pastor Craig? I, I, I talked about this yesterday, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. The disciples were walking with Jesus and they see a blind man. And the disciples, listen to this. You would think it would be somebody that was not a believer. The very disciples looked at people that, that, that had different challenges and looked at them that way. So don't feel bad if you've ever felt that way. <laughs> don't, don't take any condemnation. We've all looked at somebody that was different than us and probably had a thought or an attitude. Or it's the thing where you can have a thought, but don't take that in. And the disciples see this blind man and they said, Jesus, was this man born blind because of his sin? Or his parents' sin. How many of you have heard somebody say that before? Oh man, your child must have this because you have sin in your life. Your child must have this because you did something wrong. I want to, I really want to speak to you today in encouragement. That is not God, that's the enemy speaking right there. You cannot tell me that God, God takes things that were meant for evil and he turns them around for good. He is a good God. He's not a damning God. He's not a God that's going to say, your, your son has this, so you've done something in your life. That's not the God I serve. My God is a conqueror. My God is great. He loves you. He cares about you. He has grace for you in every season. And if someone's told you that, you need to rethink that because that's not the gospel I read right here. You see, Jesus said, it's not because of his sin. It's not because of his parents' sin. It's so that my power might be revealed through him. You see, God was wanting to show them that, God, that he can use anybody in any situation. That you know what? That what he has right here, you know what? I can heal that. But if I don't heal it, I can still use it. You see, many times what happens with special needs kids, when it comes to my son, my son has changed me more than I'll ever change my son. He's made me a better dad. He's made me a better husband. He's made me a better person. I wouldn't change anything. Oh, yes, I'd love to see my son healed. I pray for it every day. I believe God can do it. But let me tell you something. I accept my son for who he is. And he's a gift. And he's a blessing. And God can use him just like he can use every other child. Amen? I know this may be new hearing this. But I remember being during that time. And, and the enemy was just hitting me with these things. And instead of... Instead of taking these in, this is a key point right here when you're going through a drought. You see, if you let the enemy begin to get in there and begin to, to, to tell you what he thinks of the situation and, he, and let him use other people, the, the haters and the people around that, that aren't for you, that aren't cheering you on, and let them speak in that situation, then he wants to get you down and he wants to victimize you wherever you're at in your drought. But here's what I did. It was because I was in a place of hope. See, Lakewood is a place of hope. People come from all over the world because, because they believe that they're going to find hope there. I believe I'm in a church of hope today. Amen. I'm in a church of love today. That people are going to come from all over because you're reaching out to people and you're not looking at them saying, you're less than, you're deficient, you've got issues, you've got mental health issues, you've got special needs, you've got problems. I want to tell you something today, everybody's got problems. 
There's not one of you in here that doesn't have a problem. There's not one of us in here that doesn't have challenges. It may look a little bit different, but everybody's got problems. You say, Pastor Craig, now come on. How can you say that? I've been a pastor for 30 years. I will tell you, everybody's got problems. Some, uh, some people just hide them better than other people. But everybody's got problems. Everybody's got challenges. Listen, for all have sinned and came short of the glory of God. There's nobody better than somebody else. God loves us all the same. He cares about us all the same. He believes in us all. We're... And let me say something else. You know, many times we get put in class systems, don't we? Like if you have more money, if you come from this family, it, 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 this can happen in different cultures and stuff like that. I want to tell you something. There is no class system in heaven. You are all children of God. You're mighty in the land. You're special. You're unique. You're amazing. Don't let anybody ever tell you anything different. I'm here to tell you, you are God's chosen one. He loves you. He cares about you. And it's real. And I remember, instead of listening to those voices, I hit the gas on my car. I drove up to our driveway. I went and ran upstairs. And I picked up my two-year-old son. And I looked him in the eyes. And I said this, you are not a victim. You are a victor. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror. You see, I wasn't going to listen to the voices of the enemy to tell me what my child was going to be. Was he going to have challenges? Absolutely. Was it going to be hard? You bet it was going to be hard. But let me tell you something. My strength is not in me. It's in God Almighty. And I know I can overcome anything. My son can overcome anything when I trust in God. Amen? The droughts weren't going to end, right? We knew that. And I, I'll never forget, you know, getting that diagnosis. You see, when my son stopped speaking, and everything. He knew at one time he could talk, but now he couldn't, he couldn't get words out. And what began to happen, he'd get frustrated and, and he would start to have these meltdowns. And I want to encourage you, whenever you see a child having a meltdown in a grocery store, whenever you see a, see a mom and dad struggling with their child, don't judge them. Don't say they're bad parents. Have grace for them. Because we were trying everything. We were trying every, we went to every doctor. We, we were trying every type of procedure. We were trying to help. And it just didn't seem like anything would work. And at times we didn't expect it. He, he would have these terrible meltdowns. And we were trying everything we could. And I remember one time we, 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 my wife was at a grocery store and, and Connor wanted something. He couldn't get out how he wanted it. And he had this terrible meltdown at the grocery store. And, 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 and it, was, it was really bad where, where he even started banging his hands up against the floor and really struggling and, and stuff. And, and I remember my wife, she was, she was just trying to get Connor out of the store. And, and you know, people would look at him like, like, like he was a freak, like there was something wrong with him. And, and, and they'd look at my wife like, why aren't you disciplining your child? And my wife was doing everything she could. And she just was trying to get him out of the store and everything. And, and, and so she got home. And I'll never forget her saying this uh, and she was just saying out of frustration you gotta understand my wife's my hero she's my hero but I remember seeing this she said Craig I'm not sure I can take it anymore and you, you know this is when you find yourself in the middle of the drought 
This is when you find, when you come to the end of yourself. Amen? How many's ever been there? You, you've done everything. You've tried everything. You've worked everything. But I want to tell you some good news. When you come to the end of yourself, that's where God does his best work. Amen? He wants us to come to the end of ourselves because then it's not our efforts. It's not us trying. Now we can release it to him and let God do his work. He's a God that takes things that seem impossible and he turns them around to masterpieces. And he shifts things and he uses things. And I, I remember when my wife heard that, I remember God I was driving to work after that day, and I was driving. I was driving the car, and it was the most intimate conversation I ever had with God because we were literally at the end of ourselves. Even as a pastor, we were so vulnerable at that time. But God showed up. It was like he was sitting in the car. It wasn't visible, but it, I could just feel his presence. If somebody drove by, I was talking to God, they would have thought I was crazy, right? I'm, I'm sitting there having this conversation, and I'll never forget it. I, I, just, I just asked God why. Have you ever asked God why? We've all been there. Not why we had our son, because we loved our son, but God, why is he struggling so much? And I'll never forget what God spoke to me. And he said this, he said, Craig, your child is not a burden, your child is a gift. I said, God, I know what you mean. See, it's easy for us to receive that he's a gift. It's harder for us to receive that he's not a burden. And so we try to pair those two together. And God wants you to separate them. Because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He wants to take, on the, take away the burden, and he wants you to focus on the victory. I said, God, I, I know what you mean, but he's struggling so much. He's hurting so much, God. He's struggling and, and everything. God, we're not sure what to do. And God said to me again, he said, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. He said, you're looking at everything that's wrong with them. You're not looking at everything that's right. I said, God, what do you mean? He said, Craig, I'm going to use your son to reach millions of people. Now, i got to be honest with you. Even as a man that's been in the ministry a long time, I have 28 ministers in my family. I have a rich heritage. But I got to be honest with you, that time I was, I was hurting, I was vulnerable. I remember literally picking up a bottle of water that was sitting in the car, and I, I picked up the bottle of water, and I said, God, my, my son can't even ask for a drink of water. How's it going to reach millions of people? I'll never forget what God spoke to me. And he'll speak the, these four words to you whenever you're in the desert, whenever you just need a cool cup of water, whenever... You've come to the end of yourself and you've done everything and, 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 and you ask God why. He's going to speak these four words to you probably every time. And he just said this, do you trust me? And you know, I, I didn't give him the pastoral answer. Oh, great God of the universe, I trust you. In my hey, listen, I didn't have it. You know, sometimes it's just good to be real with God, right? Don't, don't be over-religious. Just be real. Say God, I just said, God, you're all we've got. I said, there, there is no cure for autism unless you heal my son. But I trust you. Now, I just talked to God. I thought things were going to get better, Pastor. <laughs> I mean, I just had this intimate conversation with God. It's got to turn around. Here comes the testing time, right? It got worse. 
I mean, the meltdowns got worse. The struggles got worse. For the next three months, I mean, it was literally hell on earth, and we were facing it every day. But then all of a sudden, three months into it, my wife comes calling from upstairs, and she said, Craig, Craig, get up here, get up here. And I ran upstairs, and she was crying. And I said, what is it? And she said, Craig, I was putting Carn to bed, and I was reading him a couple of books. And she said, I, I just was praying a prayer over him. And she said, all of a sudden, he began to speak. And he began to say one word after another word, one sentence after another sentence, one paragraph after another paragraph. <laughs> now, you've got to understand, I haven't heard my son put together more than two words in three years. I said, what do you mean he began to speak and tears were rolling down my cheeks? And she said, Craig, he spoke. And I said, what did he say? I'll never forget. My wife walked me over his bed and she leaned over his bed and she said, Connor, say it for mommy and daddy. Say it again. And my little five-year-old boy looked up and looked us in the eye and all of a sudden he began to speak and he said, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. That was my son's first words they ever spoke. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Give the Lord glory today. Tell him how good he is. <laughs> Let me tell you, we weren't doing the golf clap, right? We were jumping up and down. We knew God showed up. We knew he'd done something at that time. I'll never forget. I spoke a couple weeks later at Lakewood Church, and we sp I spoke on a message called the God of the Breakthrough, and I filmed my son speaking his first words. And, of course, many of you know that's the declaration that we speak before every message. You say, how did... How did Carl learn that? Well, we didn't know it, but we were bringing Pastor Joel's DVDs home. And little do we know, he was taking those DVDs up to his bedroom, and he was putting them in, and he was listening to the 30-minute messages while he played. And it didn't matter if the message changed. That declaration was at the beginning of every message. And that went over and over and over in his mind until that became his first words. Now you say, well... Kids could do that with autism. Don't they have great memory? Let me tell you something. Kids don't learn spiritual declarations like that. They don't speak that. That is God. That is a miracle. You'll very rarely, they, they might learn clips and different things like that of movies and stuff. We knew it was God. And I remember speaking about it. And I don't about, know about you, but we're criers at Lakewood, right? And, and when they saw Connor speaking his first words, the, the crowd just began to weep because they'd walked along this with us. And Pastor Joel walked up to me and he said, Craig, can I speak about this miracle? And I said, absolutely. And about a couple months later, I believe it was, he spoke about Connor's miracle and he showed Connor saying his first words. And that video went viral around the world. You see about 40 million people watch Pastor Joel every month. And that video went viral. We started getting 
messages for Connor that said conqueror and overcomer and all these things of how his life, his, his testimony had touched people in Cambodia. I got so many emails from Africa across the world how his testimony had touched them. And here's the interesting thing. I, I'd actually forgotten what God said to me in the car because we were just kind of walking through it. But I'll never forget, we were in Chicago White Sox Stadium. It's in Chicago. 50,000 people, we were doing a night of hope there with Pastor Joel. And so many people come to know Christ in these crusades. And Pastor Joel wanted me to walk out with my wife and Connor out on the field. And they wanted to show Connor's testimony on the video screen. And so we walked out on the field and Connor's waving it at everybody, right? And we get out on the field and then I kind of cross the first base. There's a line there, I cross the first baseline. And all of a sudden, God... God spoke to me. He said, Craig, he said, remember when you were in the car? Remember when I told you, trust me? He said, look at all these people. They're weeping. They're clapping. They're being inspired by your son's story. Remember why I told you that your son was going to reach millions of people? He said, I've already done that, haven't I? He said, Craig, will you trust me? I never go back on my word. And I want to encourage you today, if you can trust God, he'll never go back on his word. He's got you in the palm of his hand. He's not going to let you go. Can you trust him one more time? Can you believe one more time? Can you say, God, I don't have anything else, but I trust you. Well, that wasn't the end of it right there. You see, not only did God bring something powerful out of that, but he began to use my son. Remember what the enemy said? He said, Craig, your son's never going to be used. He's going to be less than. He's going to be a nobody. He's going he's to be looked as a curse upon your family, sin in your life. This is what the enemy tried to tell me and everything, and I'll never forget that. And then God, I had a second intermittent conversation. I was walking through Lakewood Church, and all of a sudden he, he stopped me near the kids area and he said, Craig, look at what you're doing for typical kids. He said, it looks like Disneyland. He said, but look at what you're doing for special needs kids. At that time, we were like most churches. You see, less than 1% of churches have anything for special needs in America. And across the world, since the early 80s, autism has grown over 300%. It's the number one de developmental disability in the world. It's growing at such a high rate that in America, one in 110, 10 years ago, were being diagnosed with autism. Now it's one in 48 kids in 10 years. If it keeps on rising at that rate, it'll be in the teens and, and the low 20s in the next 10 years. And these are families that are faced with overwhelming circumstances. You have some beautiful families here in this church. And God said to me, he said, Craig, he said, Look at what you're doing for, for typical kids. He said, it looks like Disneyland, but look at what you're doing for special needs kids. And we weren't doing very much. And he said, Craig, those kids deserve the very best, just like every other child. He said, when you look in these kids' eyes, he said, who you're looking at? He said, you're looking at me because when you do it in the least of these, you do it unto me. 
He said favor will follow you and your church when you begin to reach out to these kids and families. And so we, I didn't really know what to do, but we pulled together a ta task force and, and, and we pulled together doctors and, and educators and special needs parents in our team. And for an entire year, we worked on what would become the Champions Club. And it was a whole holistic approach, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's why there's four stations in the Champions Club. There's a physical therapy station or motor station, sensory room, educational station and a spirit station. And two, a couple years back, myself and Dr. St. Robinson created the first Christian curriculum in history for special needs. And we began to work on this Champions Club and everything, and we had no idea how far ahead of its time. As a matter of fact, top hospitals in America come to Lakewood to learn how to work with their special needs kids. What you guys have here in your Champions Club, you won't find this hardly anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. How many knows it's about time the church begins to lead the way and we don't depend on everybody else that God wants us to step up, but we got to step up. And so we begin to build it. And what happened was, was amazing. The first six months, Pastor, over 300 families started coming to Lakewood Church just because of the Champions Club. It was the greatest growth period that we had ever experienced outside of moving from one building to the next. You see, we moved from one building, we had about 20,000 people, and we moved to the compact center that seats about 16,000, and we went from 20,000 to 50,000 in one weekend. And that was just a move of God. That was just, but this was something different. This was moving outside the box. This was meeting the needs of people that God chases after. See, we chase after things that impress us many times. See, God chases after the least of these. He chases, it doesn't mean he doesn't chase after, he chases after everybody, but he wants to heal, the, he's close to the brokenhearted. He cares about those that are hurting, and he's drawing us, and we begin to reach, and they begin to come in. And here's the thing, their family's just like yours. Their family, families like mine, I tell pastors this all the time, I'll stand in front of them, I say, Look at my family. And they go, oh, you've got a great family. They, 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 they'll say, I say, would you like us to come to your church? And they say, absolutely. And I say, here's the problem. If you don't have anything for my son, he can't sit in a service like this. We can't come to your church. But when we launched the Champions Club, that all changed. For the first time, they were able to come to church. See, what families like mine are looking for is we're looking for hope every week. Hey, man, we know what we're dealing with. We're looking for hope. And let me tell you, this is what this church is bringing this community. You are bringing them hope. You're bringing these families. It's not just a good ministry. It's transformational ministry. And listen, I don't want you to stop here. You want to know a bigger problem than special needs? It's mental health issues. 70% of Americans live with different mental health issues. We always think the extreme, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar, different things like that. But talk about P PTSD, anxiety, people taking medicine for those different, those are all mental health issues. There are many probably in this room right here that, that struggle with some mental health issues. And what we do many times, we look at them and go, they're crazy. They've got issues. They've got problems. Oh, they're, they're deficient. And God's going, no, they've just got some challenges. How about the church begin to reach out to them, begin to build that bridge and say, man, you know what? We're going to come along your side. We're going to walk through you with this. 
You'll be surprised at how those people that were struggling at one time, and I even heard a testimony from your pastor about this, how some were struggling with different issues and how the church came alongside them, and now they're thriving in the body of Christ. They're doing great things for God. You see, here's the deal, and I want to speak to you from my heart with a heart of love. We can't do church the same way. How we evangelized 30 years ago is different than how we need to evangelize in the next 30 years. People have real issues. They've got real challenges, and they don't need to hide them. They need to be welcomed in the church. They need to be loved in the church. They need to be brought in in the church. They need to know that you are not less than, that you are not crazy, that you are not separated. See, God would never do that. Jesus would never do that. And it takes us to take that extra effort. Thank God, Pastor. I remember my pastor. I said, I want to build a champions club. My pastor said, absolutely. Where many pastors didn't respond, he was the one that responded. And see, God was beginning to use my son in that situation. See, we launched the Champions Club there. Now there are 80 Champions Clubs around the world. There's one on every continent. They're in public schools. One's about to go in the first hospital in Guatemala because they're having so many special needs kids come in that the nurses and doctors don't know how to work with them. But they're going to put a Champions Club in there to help the nurses and doctors work with the, the, the patients. They're, they're now in orphanages. We launched our first one in Malawi, Africa. We launched our, 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 and, and this is the cool thing. It, yours is the first one in South Africa. Come on, church. But see, God did something miraculous. And now God has used my son to touch people all around the world. Here's the question. If God can use my son, can he use your son? How many kids out there that have been thrown away, that have been put to the side, that if somebody would have just loved them and reached out to them. You know at Lakewood, outside of Pastor Joel and Victoria, Connor's the most well-known person in our church. I mean, when they see Connor, they love Connor. Do you know what? Connor can quote over 60 scriptures. The other day I walked in the room, he was quoting the, Pastor Joel's entire message. I believe one day Connor's going to stand from a pulpit like this and speak a message. It doesn't matter if he memorizes it. He's going to speak a message and people are going to be touched by it. You see, God can use them wherever they're at. Some special needs kids have music talent. Some special, I, I was watching some of the kids back there. They, they were putting these Legos and these blocks together. They look like little engineers, man. And they were putting these things together. Listen, don't underestimate what God can do within a person's life. Have you ever felt underestimated? I have. You're not alone. God feels underestimated all the time. He feels underestimated all the time. You see, when we were going through that drought, we knew we were facing some tough things. But here's what I want to close with. I want to give you two keys to if you're going through a drought, what you can do. You ready for this? See, we weren't. We had went through that drought, but how many knows we still had the drought, other droughts to come? For instance, these meltdowns. We had dealt with them for eight years. And I kind of come to the end of myself. And I said, God, we got to come out of the, this drought with this meltdown, these meltdowns. And God spoke to me. He said, when you're going through a drought or facing adversity, Craig, I believe there are two things that can bring you out of that drought. 
and into the abundance of rain. The first one, he said, is pray bold prayers. Psalm 34, it says this, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Psalm 22 says, they cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Here's the key. Droughts are not the time to complain. They are the time to proclaim. Amen? At first, you get it off your chest. Get, get those feelings and stuff like that out. That's just, that's just human. That, that's, that's what we've got to do and stuff like that. But once you get past that, man, begin to proclaim. Let that complaining go. You see, when God was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt and in the promised land, the trip was only supposed to take 11 days. But because the children of Israel began to complain and murmur, what was only supposed to take 11 days took 40 years. I know when you're facing things initially, you've got to give them off their chest. But let me encourage you, you're not to stay in the land of complaining and murmuring. Like the children of Israel, it will take you nowhere if you're going through a drought. Begin to pray bold prayers. I'll never forget, I was in Washington, D.C., and there's an author and a pastor named Mark Batterson. He's a good friend of mine. And he said, I was telling him about we were facing this drought with Connor uh, having these meltdowns. And I said, man, we just don't know what to do. And he said, Craig, I've got a new book called The Circle Maker. He says, not even come out. And what The Circle Maker is, is about, it's about this, it's in Jewish history, and it's about this man, his name was Honai, and he was called The Legend of the Circle Maker. And what had happened was, in Jewish history, for one year, they had, had, they had not had any rain. And they had everyone try to bring down rain. They prayed down. They tried everything, but no rain. And how many knows this? When rain is plentiful, it's an afterthought. But during a drought, it's the only thought, isn't it? And all of a sudden, this eccentric sage named Honai, he comes out with a six-foot staff. And what he begins to do is he begins to draw, he walks in the town center, walks in the mill, and he begins to draw a circle. And he draws a circle 90 degrees and 180 degrees, and 360 degrees. And he draws this large circle, and then he begins to pull, pray three bold prayers. And the first one right here, he prayed, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And then all of a sudden, after a year of drought, all of a sudden it happened. Rain for the first time began to fall. Now, Honai knew God was bigger than that because they, some of us don't need just some rain. Some of you in this room need a flood, amen? <laughs> some of you need a flood of God's goodness, a flood of rain, and that's what they need. They just need any rain. So he prayed down a second bold prayer, he, and Honai called down rain. He said, Lord, the universe. He said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. And then all of a sudden, the sprinkle turned into a torrential downpour. And everybody started to scatter and run for cover. But Honai stayed right there in the middle of the circle. Because he knew that not only did they need rain, and not only did they need a flood, but some of them needed something even more powerful at that time. And a more refined, bold request. And he said this, he said, not for such rain have I prayed. This is the third prayer. But for rain of your favor of blessing, of graciousness. And all of a sudden, it began to rain calmly and peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace, healing, hope, love, and peace. Well, I got to tell you, 
I thought to myself, well, if God can do it for Honai, can't he do it for me? But I didn't have a staff laying around the house, right? But where's my, do we have my, our deal right there? But what I did is I had a mop, right? And me and my wife got our mop out of the closet, and we began to draw our circle, and we begin to go 90 degrees, and we begin to pray bold prayers, and we went 180 degrees, and we did 360 degrees. We begin to draw it around Connor's room. We drew it around our house. The neighbors thought we were crazy walking around the mop and drawing a circle. But how many knows this? When you've been in a drought for eight years, sometimes you got to get a little crazy for God to do the miracle that he wants to do in your life. And we begin to pray bold prayers, and then God spoke to me. He said, Craig, he said, Craig, I want you to do this. He said, I don't just want you to pray bold prayers, but he said, Craig, I want you to speak the word of God. He said, I want you to begin to speak the word of God over my that situation. He said, here's the deal. When you're going through a drought, the word of God is powerful. How many believes that? Sharper than a two-edged sword. God spoke to me and said, Craig, I love that you talk about me, but begin to speak my words. It's like me speaking through it. And he, he, he said, when you begin to do that, he said, even though you're going through challenges, you're going to, to overcome them. So we start praying, drawing our circle, praying our bold prayers. And then we remembered something that Mama Dodie Osteen did. She had metastatic cancer of the liver. They had given her four weeks to live. And what she did, she's a little woman, and what she did, she took her Bible, not to desecrate, she, she did, you ever heard of standing on the Word of God? She literally stood on the Word of God. And she began, she found 30 healing scriptures that centered around what she was dealing with. And every morning she got up, stood on the word of God, and began to speak these 30 healing scriptures over and over again every morning. And after about four weeks' time where they had given her three weeks to live, she went back to the doctor and she was totally healed of metastatic cancer of the liver. So I said, if God can do it for Miss Doty, can he do it for us? Right? So we start drawing our, our circles. We start praying bold prayers. We start speaking scriptures over Connor. We took those 30 healing scriptures and we began to speak them over Connor. Little did we know, not only was God listening, but Connor was listening. I'll never forget, he began to quote those 30 healing scriptures. And he'd, we'd take him to school and say, healing scriptures, mommy and daddy. We, we'd be at breakfast, he'd say, healing scriptures, my, mommy and daddy. One day I was telling him yesterday, he cut his foot and everything, and, and we were going, Connor, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, and all of a sudden, Connor said, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and they will pray over him. <laughs> and he began to quote those healing scriptures, and we began to pray our bold prayers. See, we didn't draw a small circle, because I don't serve a small God, I don't know about you, but we drew a big circle, and we prayed those bold prayers, and we spoke those healing scriptures, and I'm not kidding you, after eight years of a drought with those, with those meltdowns, horrific and everything, it was like one day God took his finger, hit a button, and said, it's all over, and my son has never had had meltdowns like that again. Never. He said, come on, Craig. God can only do that for you. You don't, you don't know God. He loves everyone here. <laughs> he wants to do it for you. 
You say, you say, Craig, you know, how can that happen? See, if God can do it for Mom and Dodie, if God can do it for Connor, can he bring you out of your drought today? Can he do it for you? You, you say, Craig, what are you asking me to do? I want you to find your mop, your broom in your house. Today, begin to draw your circle. Don't draw a small circle, Pastor. You, we need to draw a big circle because we serve a big God, right? Begin to pray bold prayers. Begin to speak the word of God. And I believe this. I believe this without a shadow of a doubt. If God can do it for me, can he do it for you today? Amen. If you believe that, come on, give the Lord a hand clap today. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.